Welcome. This is Pastor Danny with Word of Faith Family Church in beautiful Lander, Wyoming. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. I pray you will be energized and strengthened as you listen to God's Word. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, today, the title of my message today um, it goes right along with a vision for more. And today we're going to be talking about, I'm ringing just a little bit. It sounds like maybe turn me down just a little bit on this lapel. We're going to talk about taking the steps of obedience that are the key to fulfilling your vision. Last week, Pastor Kendra did an excellent job. She talked about, does anybody remember? What story was it? Joseph. Joseph is an awesome story. Check it out. It's right, a really cool name too, right, Joe? All right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So Joseph is a really cool story. Let's jump right in and turn with me, if you would, to Numbers chapter 13. It's in the Old Testament here. We're going to focus on one story today and just kind of just work through this story and look for some lessons. Uh, but we're going to start here in Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to do some paraphrasing, but I encourage you to go home after today. Don't take my word for it. You go and, and look at it yourself, and uh, you decide uh, what's going on and what you believe to be true. So again, we're talking about taking the steps of obedience are the key to fulfilling your vision. I'm going to do my very best. I got a lot today to try to get it in this time, so make sure you're taking notes because uh, there's going to be more for you to be able to to get a hold of as you keep going forward. So, Numbers 13. Let me set the scene here for us where we're at. So, the children of Israel, um, there was a guy named Abraham in Genesis, right? And God said, I will bless you and your descendants. Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Okay. God changed his name to Israel because he said, you are going to be the father of a nation, just like Abraham was. And so all the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are now known as the Israelites. Okay, So the Israelites went for a while, they did their thing, and then they were uh, slaves in Egypt for 400 years plus. And they worked hard. And they complained and they prayed and they said, God, save us from this misery, this hard work. It's tough. And so God delivered them. He called Moses from the backside of the desert and Aaron. And they went forth and they led the people where the parting of the Red Sea happened. They took them out of the great land, all the different plagues and everything. And they brought them out of this great land. And they crossed over the Red Sea. And we're going to pick up here in Numbers chapter 13. And so the Lord now said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan. Another uh, word for Canaan is the, the modern day Israel. The, also the same land that Abraham saw when he said, I'll give you this land. And he said, Send one leader from each of the twelve ancestral tribes. Jacob, known as Israel, had twelve sons. Each of those 12 sons is now a tribe of Israel, okay? Some history here today. I really want you to get this. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out 12 men, all leaders from Israel, from their camp in the wilderness in Paran. These are the tribes and the names of their leaders. These are the names of the men that Moses sent out to explore the land. Verse 16. Moses gave these men instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. He said, go north. 
and to the Negev, and we're going to, I'm going to run through some of this. Check it out. Go spy it out. Is it good? Is it bad? What is it? Can we go? Can we possess the land that God promised our grand-grandfather Abraham? Verse 21, so they went up and explored the land. They kept going all there. Let's keep going here. Um, verse 23, and so they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. They also brought back samples of the pomegranates and the figs. 25, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken of the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land that you sent us to explore. It is indeed a beautiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, there was great riches. It was very prosperous. The plants were good. Things were well. Uh, crops were growing. Here is the kind of fruit that it produces. But, but the people living there are powerful. Their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country, the Canaanites, and on and on. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. He said, let's go at once and conquer the land. We can surely conquer it. This doesn't directly say, but also Joshua was with him as well. Joshua and Caleb agreed, disagreed with the other ten. They said, hey, we can surely go in. God has promised us this. So what I want to set the scene for today is that Joshua and Caleb both were together on this, and they had a vision to go take up the land that God had promised to their great-grandfather Abraham. Does that make sense to you this morning? Some of us have heard this story a lot. Some of us haven't heard it very much. I love the Old Testament because even as a kid growing up, it's like some of these stories I didn't really understand. But when you piece them together and you begin to study, it's like, wow, this is really cool. This is a great story. And so here they are. They said, hey, we can do it. But the other spies said, no, there's too many giants. We can't do it. So guess what? They never let a hold of that vision. But what did happen is those people then did not enter the promised land of Canaan. They wandered in the desert for 40 years, not seeing the promise of God. Because they didn't believe that they could and that God had given them a vision. But Joshua and Caleb, they still had a vision. They still had a hold of that vision. So point number one today, and that I want you to grab a hold, is number one, as we're talking about taking the steps to obedience, is you need to grab a hold of your vision. What has God given you? What has He placed in your heart today? Are there talents and abilities that He's given you to use? Think about your passions for a minute. What are you good at? What are you good at? Maybe some of you are really good at talking to people. Maybe some of you say, I, I could talk to a fence post. Man, I could, I could talk to those people and I could make them feel welcome. I am a good people person. Maybe there's some of you in here today that says, oh my gosh, that's the stuff of my nightmares. Get me away from talking in a whole group of people. I'm just, give me some space here for a minute. But I can start thinking and I can work on maybe a back-end process or I can, I can build a report or I can go uh, clean or I can go do this in the background. I can do something else. I really want you to think about that for a minute. What is your passion? What is it that God's placed on the inside of you? You know it's no accident that God made you just the way you are. It's no accident that God made you just the way you are. 
Lorraine, God made you just the way you are. And it's good. And all of us, when we say, hey, God made us good. Even when we look in the mirror in the morning before we get up, some of us be like, oh gosh, I don't know about that if I believe you or not. But God made us good, right? He made us and created us for a reason. He says, hey, you are my family and I love you. He says, hey, I've created you individually um, to be able to live on this earth with over 7 billion people. Not one of us is the same. Isn't that amazing? Not only that, but God made you in this day, in this age, in 2024, to be however old you are here today. God made you to be here in this moment. Wow. God loves you so much, He knows the hairs on your head are numbered. He knows. He cares. He loves. And so here he is that he says, hey, he wants to use the talents and the abilities. You know, Paul talks about, I think it's in Ephesians or maybe Galatians, where he says, in the church, he has set in each person and each gift to be able to do and to minister and to give so that all joint supplies. In other words, everybody does their part. You know, it'd be, pastor is, is use the illustration and be like, hey, what if you all are a pinky finger? If we got 70 pinky fingers in this room right now, it's going to look a little bit silly. But if we got some fingers and some toes and some arms and some legs, we're going to come together and be the body of Christ. We're going to all do our role. So I encourage you today in this, what is the things that what are the things that God has placed on the inside of you, the gifts and the talents and the abilities? And think about that. Don't maybe some of us are at a place they say, "Oh gosh, that's scary. I don't like to use that." Or maybe people don't like that. Well, back up a minute and be like, "Hey, wait. If God is omnipotent and he knows all things then maybe perhaps he had a plan for me when he made me god created me he loved me he had a plan for me to impact the people that i have bev i think about you know all the people if you look over your lifetime think about all the people that you've impacted they may not be in your life now but five years from now or five years ago or 20 years ago or 40 years ago you think about the people that your life has touched or affected. Wow. So each of us have a purpose. Each of us have a mission. Each of us have a calling on our lives to be able to do. I encourage you, tap into that and find what is that. There's a place for you. So number one, you grab a hold of the vision. Turn with me, if you would, to Habakkuk 2, verses 2. It's in the Old Testament. I'd give you a page number, but mine's different than yours not very big it's towards the end if you've been around here a while you've probably heard this one but if you haven't it's totally fine this is i love this verse habakkuk here he's talking to him chapter 2 and verse 1 and he says the lord said unto me write my answer plainly on tablets or write it down on a piece of paper the tablets back then were different than the tablets we have today, but I guess they would still work just fine. So that a runner can carry the correct message to others. The vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. It says write the answer plainly on the tables that a runner can carry the correct message to others. Now, in the Old Testament... They couldn't just pick up their phone and call somebody, could they? A lot of times they sent messengers. 
Or they sent people to run with the message. They wrote it on a, a, a piece of paper or manuscript and sealed it oftentimes in wax and said, okay, here's your job, runner. Take this and take it to the next kingdom or take it to the next king or take it over here to this next country. And he had to make sure that the vision was clear that he knew what he was supposed to do. In our lives, we've got to want a step of obedience to take is we've got to know the vision and know it clearly. What is the vision that God's given you in your life? Not only in maybe just a personal area, but what vision has God given you to help out and to be a part of the kingdom of God? What vision has God given you to be able to, you, I, I, you're here in this church today, you say, hey, man, oh, I, I need to be involved in this church. I need to get going in this church. I need to do something. That's why we're so excited about this leadership training coming up. It is an opportunity for you to step out in faith, as an opportunity for you to grow, as an opportunity for you to say, hey, I have this talent, I have this ability, and I want to use it for God. We're affecting people. We're touching people's lives. We're seeing new people that are coming in every time, and we're seeing things growing and changing and shifting. And hey, let's be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Let's be a part of something great and strong, way to reach this community. There's people that are hurting in this community, and God wants to use you. You know, have you ever heard it said, you may be the only Jesus that they ever see? That's humbling. You mean you're watching me in those moments? When I lost my cool, you're watching me in those moments when I got angry. You're watching me in those moments when you drove right in front of me. You're watching me in those moments when things did not go as expected, and I'm feeling pretty rough about it. Wow. Wow. It's not just the pastor. It's not just the leadership. It's each one of us. It's each one of us. You know, when I, the other night we were watching The Chosen. We are trying to work through Series 3 again before 4 comes out, Season 3, 4. And there was the moment when Jesus sent out all the disciples, two by two, to each of the different areas. And he said, don't worry about the things that you're going to wear. Don't worry about taking stuff with you. Just go. I would have taken some faith. What if God told you to go to Egypt tomorrow? Would you be willing to accept that? Would you be willing to leave behind things of the family? Would you be willing to hide, leave behind things that you've worked hard for? Maybe material possessions? Would you be willing to leave behind family relationships? They went out for a while, and it was a big step of faith. And so we got to grab a hold of the vision that we, God has been given us. Write it down. Make it plain. You know, I remember growing up, and even now, you know, my mom would always have things from different ministries or things that God had spoken to her. She posted it on her bathroom mirror. It's on her fridge or it's somewhere else. So she can see it every time. She might forget it for a while, but she comes back and every morning or every night or whenever she's in there, she sees it. Oh, yeah, maybe she declares it and say, yes, God, this is your promise to me. Or this is the vision that I have. This is where I'm going. So Caleb and Joshua had a vision. They knew that God had promised them that land of Canaan. But here they are in the desert, wandering. <laughs> Eating manna every day. Every day. Oh, wait, what are we going to have for breakfast today? Hmm, I wonder. 
Oh, look, it's manna. If you don't know what manna is, manna was like this bread-like substance that God used that rained from heaven every single day that the children of Israel ate while they were wandering in the desert. He provided for them. He took care of them. What was so interesting about it is they couldn't save it up. They couldn't store it up. They couldn't can it. They couldn't freeze it. They couldn't do anything. It was only good for that day, and then it spoiled and went bad. But God always provided for them and took care of them. But can you imagine eating the same thing every single day? As a matter of fact, all the people of those ten spies, their families, they died in the desert because they didn't see the vision. They didn't see the promised land with the eyes of faith. They didn't see it. Can you imagine being Joshua and Caleb and thinking to yourself, man, I've been in the desert for 20 years and we're just wandering around aimlessly following this cloud, following this fire. Are we ever going to cross into the land? There's probably moments of discouragement, probably moments to say, man, gosh, God, did I really hear your voice when you told me that that was the land? Everybody else around me, all these people that are here, they don't care. They're just grumbling. They're complaining. God, why didn't you take care of us? It's better to go back to Egypt where we were slaves. What is your vision? Is it clear? Is it strong? Do you know that you know that's the vision that you're running with? So that no matter what comes in your life, friends, family, dude, you're dumb. What kind of a vision is that? Are you crazy, bro? 20 years. You think God even hears you now? He doesn't even know you, dude. You missed it. Let's be real. Get up. Eat manna. Same thing every day. But they had a vision. That vision drove them. That vision said, hey, I am going to see this come to pass. When you think about your vision, are you steadfast? Are you strong? Are you unmovable? Are you thinking that says, hey, I am not going to budge? Point number two today. When we're thinking about our vision, we need to set our face like flint and don't budge. Isaiah 50 verse 7 says, Therefore I will set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be put to shame. Flint is a very hard rock. It doesn't easily be um, marred or chipped or, or deformed. He said, hey, I'm going to be steadfast. I'm going to be unmovable. I'm going to carry out this vision despite what I may see around me because I know that this is the vision that God's called me to do. I think about times, especially last winter, when I said Arizona, Florida, Mexico sound like a really good option. Permanently. <laughs> but I know the vision that's in my heart that says, hey, Lander is where we need to be. That's the vision. And so what do we do? We stick to it. We say, hey, no, we're going to be consistent. God, I know that you use our family in a, a large way on Sundays and in other ways. So I want to be consistent. I want to show up early. I want to make sure that all things are taken care of. I want to make sure that I'm doing all of my part to fulfill the vision that God has given me. I want to be faithful in that. What vision has God given you? 
What steps are you starting to take? So we set our face like flint, and we don't budge despite what comes along. Let's turn, if you will, to Joshua chapter 1. So, we jump ahead from this moment where Joshua and Caleb and the ten other spies looked at the land of Canaan and realized, nope, sorry, we can't take that. The giants are too big. I can't do it. And 40 years later, Moses has just passed away as the leader of this people. And now Joshua is the man to step up. Joshua is a military leader. He's a man that's always followed with Moses. He's stood right there beside him. I like Joshua. In Joshua 1, many times, God tells Joshua, Okay, bud, you're up. In not so many words. He says, It's your turn. You've been faithful. You've seen this vision. You've stayed steadfast despite all of these wanderings and, and all this hopelessness. You've stayed steady to the vision. And now, Moses is dead. It's your turn to lead these people. And so he had a choice right there. He could step up or he could say, No, God, I, 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 I'm not worthy. No, God, sorry, use somebody else that's far more talented than me. He didn't say that. He said, okay, God. And the Lord told him many times, he said, be strong and very courageous. He said, let's read it real quick. Joshua 1, 1, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua and he said, Moses is dead. The time has come for you to lead the people across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land that I have given you from the Negev wilderness to the Lebanon mountains to the Euphrates River to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and courageous. He says it again. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Don't deviate from them, turning one way or the other. Then you will be successful. Study the book of the law, and you will be uh, successful continually. Meditate on it day and night. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In just a little bit of time, he told him three times. He said, be strong and very courageous. Some of you in here today maybe need some encouragement in your life. I challenge you and encourage you, be strong and very courageous. Don't give up on what God has promised to you. Don't give up on that plan and His promise that He set upon in your heart. Those dreams and those visions. He didn't let go of it. God told him, He encouraged him, He strengthened him. How many know that when you get in the secret place with God, when you're listening to God, when you're fellowshipping with Him, he will often encourage you. He will strengthen you and he'll say things like, be strong and very courageous. Things like, hey, I love you. You're on the right track. I got a plan for you. Keep on going on. 
comforting our heart and encouraging us and strengthening us and calling us forward with Him. So He says, the time has come to cross the Jordan River. The Jordan River signifies the land of the promised land, the land of Canaan or modern day Israel. Maybe not quite totally, but their promised land, crossing the Jordan. It's often a metaphor today when you hear, hey, I'm crossing the Jordan River. There's a huge change in my life that's happening and taking place. I'm crossing over this river. And so God told him, he said, send spies into this city. It's called Jericho. Jericho was a a city that was about six miles away from the River Jordan. It was a heavily walled city. They were said the walls were so thick that they raced chariots side by side across the city walls. It was a fortified, imagine a big time castle, if you will. But these people were there living against what uh, God had promised. Essentially, he had given the children of Israel that land, but they were living there without authorization basically and so now was the time for them to leave and so now here is joshua the military commander getting ready to take the steps that god told him to do and so as you go read through here joshua we don't have time but he says hey send the spies the spies go in they stay with rahab the harlot the prostitute i just think it's so funny the the they stayed with that i was studying this the other night and i was like um I was asking Kinder, I said, so what would you have done if I was a spy? <laughs> I think she said something like, I hope you were single or something like that. But anyway, I hope that's okay. But I, I just think about that, like they stayed at the prostitute's home as spies they hid. She hid them, and then God promised protection in her life. You read the whole story of Rahab, she's in the lineage of Jesus. Only one that was saved. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. All right, so Jericho. Here is this land of Jericho. This city of Jericho in the promised land. God has told Joshua, he says, Go forth, be strong, courageous, and conquer this city. He said, Send the priests first into the Jordan River. When the priests go in with the Ark of the Covenant. Ark of the Covenant, what is that? What is that? God's presence in the Old Testament was contained in the Ark of the Covenant. Right? When Jesus came, what happened to the Ark of the Covenant? It was opened because God's presence no longer lived in the Ark of the Covenant anymore. Now the Ark of the Covenant is where? In us. We are the temples or we are the house of God's presence because it's the Holy Spirit's work after Jesus came. Amen? So the Ark of the Covenant, they took it with them. Great honor, great holiness to take care of the Ark of the Covenant. You go back and read the Old Testament, people that even tried to sturdy the Ark of the Covenant or something that weren't allowed to instantly died because of the holiness of God. It was a serious thing. It was big time. So these priests go in. God told Joshua all this. He said, as soon as their feet get in the Jordan River, Now let's back up for a second. Jordan River, it's harvest season, flood stage. You can't normally cross it. It's raging. If I had some more time, I would have brought you a picture. It would have been even better. But go look it up. The Jordan River, 
they were going to cross it. And God said, hey, as soon as the priest's feet get into the Jordan River, it will stop. That's exactly what happened. The river backed up as far as the city Adam, which is about 20 miles upstream. And the water then kept flowing on past. And the Bible says that then all of the people crossed on dry ground while the priests held the Ark of the Covenant in the center of the river. They said that the water that backed up was 200 feet wide and hundreds of feet deep by the time all those Israelites crossed the water. Miraculous happening. They're crossing into the land. God is with them as they go. So he's taking the steps. They all cross. They take stones out of the stream. They make a memorial. And they get ready to go conquer the city that God has told them to conquer. So, when you're thinking about taking the steps of obedience in your life, point number three, decide what steps you need to take in order to fulfill it. Once again, God had given Joshua the plan to conquer the land. What was his first step? They had to cross into the land. They had to cross over the River Jordan at flood stage. So they took the step. How many times do you in your life, you need to take the first step of faith? How many times in your life is God not going to use you until you take that first step? God, I know you've given me this vision. I know you've given me this plan, but I'm just going to wait here until something happens. Well, that's good. That's a good heart that you're even willing to. But our heart of faith and what God expects us to do, we know that faith pleases God, right? So what did they do? They took a step. How many times in your life you've got to take a step? I don't know about you, but every time in my life that I've taken a step, God has been right there. There's even been times in my life that I know that it was an attitude of my heart to take a step. In other words, I was really going to do it, not I hope I'm going to do it. I'm planning to do it soon. It was, hey, I'm going to do this. And when I, even when that happened, God showed up big on the scene. My step of faith is what all that it took for God to honor that. The same way here when Joshua sent those, those um, uh, priests out into the river, instantly the river started damming up and they crossed the river. Just because there's miraculous things in the Old Testament doesn't mean there have to not have to be miraculous things in your life too. God is no respecter of persons if He did it for them. He'll do it for you. Amen. So point number three, decide what steps you need to take in order to fulfill it. Preparation time is never wasted time. Joshua waited 40 years for the moment. He didn't give up. He didn't quit. He didn't let go of it. How many times has it been in your life? Maybe there's a vision that God gave you as a kid. And you say, wow, I know that this is something that God put inside me. Last week, Pastor Kinder talked about how she felt like, hey, God had called her to be a missionary or some other things that God had placed in her heart from a very young age. Is there something that's there? That maybe you've said, no, that doesn't even make sense. No, I can't even. Wait a minute. Think about that. Is there a vision that God's placed on the inside of you, a call that He's given you? Hey, this is the area that you need to minister in. This is the area that you need to go and fulfill. And maybe it's more recent. Maybe it's more like, hey, 
God just told you this last week and you're working through it. Perhaps there's some of you in here today that there's a vision that's been on your heart, but it's felt too big. Maybe it felt impossible. Maybe it felt like, oh man, there's no way that's going to happen and you instantly write it off. What is that vision that God's given you? What is that vision to fulfill? To, to say, hey, this is what my life is about. This is what I'm called to do. This is who I am. Preparation time is never wasted time. So you think, okay, let's start from the end. Let's say my finished vision is this. What was Joshua's finished vision? What did God told him to do? Take the land. Take the land. Not just take a city. Take the whole land. Take the whole land. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but in our modern day, we think ultimate desecration and killing everybody is gruesome. Right? That's sometimes hard for us to take in our culture today. But in order to eradicate the evil... That's what God told them to do. Destroy everything. Men, women, and children. All the livestock, burn it. Because there's evil. And so the lesson there on that too is, if there's evil in your life, you don't let little pieces of it stay. You've got to burn the evil. You've got to destroy the evil. Anything that's going to be attacking your vision. What was Joshua's vision? To take the land and inhabit it and conquer it and live there. Because God had promised it to him. Simple as that. The end. And there was people that were defiantly standing in the way. And they wouldn't move. They wouldn't leave. And so God told them, this is what you have to do. So when Joshua backs up now, he says, okay, what are the steps that I got to take to fulfill the vision? Number one, I got to cross the Jordan River. Number two, Drew, uh, uh, Jericho is the first city that I've got to conquer. So we got to go conquer it. And then Ai, and then all the other places as you read through Joshua. Joshua is a great military book about talking about the exploits of the people of what they did. So one step at a time. Let's say your vision is here. It might feel big. It might feel overwhelming. But back it up a little bit and say, okay, if I want to be here in one year from now, what do I have to do tomorrow? Break it down into little bitty pieces and say, hey, I'm not just going to sit here and hope that vision comes to pass one day. I'm going to say, okay, what steps do I need to start taking? Maybe for some of us, it's five minutes of developing that relationship with God every day. Maybe for some of us saying, okay, God, I feel like you've told me to do this. Um, maybe for some of you it's removing sin from your life sin is a blocker for God's blessings for God's voice Uh, so maybe it's a sin that you've struggled with for a while and it may feel impossible but take the steps that you need to do to start. Are there consistent pathways that you take when you're falling into that sin that you say, nope, I need to first stop here. 
I need to get this little thing right first. Did you say, Pastor, you don't understand this is how to stronghold in my life for 30 years. Uh, there's nothing too big for God. But your heart has to be willing in a place to be able to say, hey, I desire to live a holy life. Part of my vision is that I'm whole, that I'm good, that I'm not dependent on substances or outside influences in my life. And guys, it's up to you to what that is. Now, the Bible talks about certain things, and I don't want to get religious on you here, but at the same time, if there's something that you know that you need to lay down, it's, it's here. You know. Right? So take those little steps to make sure you're out of sin, to be able to stay in that place. Hallelujah. Amen. So start on the little things. <clears throat> what are you going to do to carry that out? A few years ago, it was always my dream, and it was a vision to climb the highest point in the state of Wyoming, which is Gannett Peak. And so I'd always wanted to do it, but it felt really big. It felt really huge. I feel like, oh my gosh, man, this mountain is big. It's got crevasses and glaciers, and this is like a 50-mile hike, and I, I don't have these skills. But one day, an opportunity was presented to me with a guy that had lots of good mountaineering experience to be able to go. And so I said, heck yeah, I want to go. So we went in July, but several months before July, I was training. I don't know about you, but I got to have something to be able to exercise for. I can't just hit the treadmill and run a couple miles and, oh, that was good. I got to say, shoot, if I'm not in shape, everybody's going to be waiting on me on that trail and I can't be embarrassed like that. So I got to get to work, right? So I started training and started running and started lifting and started doing the things to get this body in shape because I knew we were going to have lots of miles. I knew we were going to have 50-pound packs. We were going to be lots of vertical uh, feet, and it was intense. And I, so for what it's worth, I was even trained and ready. And in four days, I think I lost like 20 pounds and I ate as much food as I could. We were burning crazy calories. And uh, one day we had like 6,000 vertical feet for anybody who cares and like uh, 15, 20 miles, horizontal miles. It was intense on the trail. Anyway, but I, we did it. We conquered it. Four days, 44 miles, 12,000 vertical. It was intense. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Crossing frozen uh, lakes and or rivers and streams and flooded and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, I knew that that was my vision. That was what I had to do. That was my focus. And I had to be in shape to get there. I didn't want to go have a heart attack or pass out because I knew there was nothing. Nobody's going to come save me for a long time. <laughs> I got to be ready to go. And I put in the work. Sometimes for our vision, we got to put in the work. A couple weeks ago, I talked about sometimes carrying out our vision can be hard. Well, sometimes we got to put in the work. So we think physical. Man, I got to work out. I got to exercise. I got to make sure I'm in shape. I got to eat right. I got to do the things so that Kitri's really proud of me. No, I'm just kidding. She, she works at the gym all the time, so she works out all the time. Um, or Chrissy, she's not here, but Chrissy, if you're watching, for you too, all right? Some of my workout folks. Anyway, so what does that look like in the spiritual realm for you today? What does that look like? Are you working out in the spiritual realm? Are you doing the things? Are you spending the time with God? Are you reading your Bible? Are you going through the reps? Are you hitting it? Are you preparing in shape? When I was a little kid in Sunday school, we always used to have, it was two pictures. There was a, a wimpy old kid had no muscles or anything and there was this strong buff dude right 
And so I always identified with the strong buff dude, but anyway. Um, so there was a, a problem that came along and a bully in their life. All right, this is just kids' church. And all of a sudden, the little, the wimpy guy broke up, got down and be like, oh, shoot, this guy's coming. I better hurry up and do some push-ups. We all know how well that's going to work out, right? But this guy over here that's in shape, he's been working, he's been training, he's been multiple days in a row and different times and putting in the work and putting in the reps. When we were carrying out our vision, we got to put in the work, we got to put in the reps. And that leads us right to this perfect point here when we pick up in Joshua. And so let's go ahead a few chapters. Let's go to Joshua chapter 6, I believe it is. Hallelujah. Joshua chapter 6. We're going to read through a little bit of this. Follow along with me, if you would, please. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out. But the Lord said to Joshua, Excuse me, I've given Jericho its king and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns and have all the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into town. So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, March around town and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests and the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And as the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them, some of the, men, the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns and some behind the ark. And the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout, do not even talk. Joshua commanded, not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. Then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, they did this. They did this pattern for six days. Point number four, stick to it. Be obedient to do what God called you to do. Can you imagine with me just for a minute if you're those people and you're marching around the city and there's people up on the city walls. They're a lot taller than this, but there's people up on the city walls right here. I bet that I just went out of frame on you, did I, Roxanne? Sorry about that. There's people on the city walls, right, that are looking down at you. Ah, you silly dude. You're marching around. Come on, why don't you say something? Hey, dude, you got four eyes. Hey, you're, you look, you forgot to do your hair today. What kind of clothes are those? Did you get those on sale? Did you do your makeup today? Who knows what they were saying? They were making all kinds of fun of them about everything. Right? I'm sure they were. But here's these people marching around the city. Day one. Okay, that's not too bad. Day two. Okay, fine. 
man, I almost talked today. I almost said something to my wife about, hey, you should really, no, I'm just teasing. Right? Number three. Number three. Day three. Hey, Dad, do we have to do this again? Son, if I got to put duct tape on your mouth, I will. Get up. Day four. Man, I'm kind of tired. Is this, Joshua, are you sure you heard the voice of God on this? Day five. Day six. Stick to it. Don't give up. Stick to it. This is the vision. God's given us this land. Joshua, the leader of the people, has to be strong and courageous. God, you told me to do this, and I'm going to carry out this vision. I'm going to carry this out. I'm going to stick to it. I'm not going to give up. So, let's pick up here. At verse 15. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. There's so many lessons in this, guys. But this time they went around the town seven times. I don't think they could have done that on the first day, do you? But they've built up the stamina. They've trained. They're ready now. They can do it. There's some excitement going, hey, this is the last day. Hey, dude, this is the last day. Guess what? There's some cool things going to happen. Their vision was that this city was going to, they knew what was going to happen. They knew what was going to take place. So they walked around the city seven times. The seventh time around, the priests sounded the long blast on their horns. And Joshua commanded the people, shout. Hey, hey, what did they say? Hey, did you hear him? Did you hear what he just said? What did he say? He said, shout, shout, shout. Yeah, shout, yeah. Yeah. Had to have been a sustained shouting, a consistent shouting, a shout of faith that says God has given us this city. Come on, somebody. God has given us this land. God has given us this vision, and he's going to bring it to pass. Let's shout and see the victory come forth. Hallelujah. Shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed. The seventh time around. <sighs> when the people, verse 20, heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into town and captured it. They completely destroyed everything in it with their swords, men, women, young and old, cattle, sheep, goats, donkeys. Point number five, watch the plan come to pass. Point number five, watch the plan come to pass. Faith is the assurance. What are we talking about today? We're talking about taking the steps of obedience that are the key to fulfilling your vision. Putting your boots to the ground. Taking the steps that God's called you to do. Taking the steps upon your heart and moving forward. Moving that needle forward. Moving that ball forward. Making the progress. Training getting the plan in place. Faith is the assurance. Faith without works is dead. They have to go together. You put in the work, and with God, all things are possible. Yeah. Yeah. We work together with God. 
We work together. He works together with us. He helps us. The city was conquered. The walls destroyed. If you look up the archaeology on Jericho, I challenge you. They've excavated it. They've found the walls of Jericho. That's how they know. There's pots that they found that had grain in them. That literally says that this city was destroyed in a moment. You can see the earthquake that happened. Wow. God came through parting the Red Sea. God came through with manna. God came through with a pillar of, of, of the cloud and the fire by night. God came through with crossing the River Jordan. God came through with pulling the walls of Jericho down. Isn't that cool? And so here's the great thing. You may say, I'm not a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. Well, they're special people. Well, guess what? Go read Galatians 3. It talks about how now we are the adopted sons and daughters. We've been given and promised everything just as Abraham did too. You are the spiritual descendants of Abraham. Abraham is known as the father of our faith. We are now the children and the heirs of Abraham by faith, spiritually. Not necessarily by blood, but spiritually. So we've been given and promised the same things that Abraham has. Amen. So taking the steps. So in reflection here today, because the Bible says that we need to be doers of the Word of God, take a minute today and think about what is that step for you? What does that look like in your life? God's given you a vision in some form or fashion. If you don't have that vision yet, go back and listen to others talk about how to find the vision of God for your life. Where is that passion? Where is that gifting that God's given you? And what are the steps to be able to carry forth the vision in your life? What are the steps that you need to do to carry forth the vision and be obedient to what God's called you to do? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Jim and Gay, before you leave out to go do cookies and coffee, I just wanted to let you know that God says He's not done with you. Your vision is not fully accomplished. Don't quit dreaming. Don't give up. Just because you say I'm older and I'm retired and my family's out of the house doesn't give you a license to quit or to say, hey, that I can't keep having a vision and a focus. So take it from God to know that he loves you, that he encourages you and says, hey, believe in for big things. What may have felt impossible is, all, is possible with him. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. And West family, all of you, you guys are a blessing. It's been cool to see you guys here. God's doing something in your hearts. He's doing something in your family. And you've only seen just a little tiny piece of what He has in store for you. When you're willing to do the little steps, hey, I may not understand all of this, I may not get all of it, but I know God's working in my heart. I know that He's moving. I know that there. I know you can't take it away from me. I know. As you do, are obedient to do the little things, 
you'll see God's blessings being poured out in your life. He knows your thoughts. He knows your hearts. He knows where you're at. And when you're willing to say, hey God, I'm just going to give you my heart. I know I may not understand all this, but I do know that you're real and your presence is real. You'll see him come in in ways that you never even thought possible. Things that you've never even seen in your life before up to this moment. Wow, that just happened? Holy smokes! That's really cool. And then that moment of God just ministering to your hearts and you'd be like, okay, thanks for that. But he's got a plan for each one of you in your own way. So don't give up and don't quit. But keep pursuing, keep chasing, and you'll see big things come to pass. Hallelujah. 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 <clears throat> Jay and Melinda, same for you guys. In your own way. God's got a plan for your heart or for your lives. He sees your heart. He's got a plan for your family. He sees you. He knows. He knows the past and He knows other things. But more importantly, God has a future for you. As you've stepped out and said, hey, we're going to give this a shot. We're going to give it a go. You watch and see how He blesses you. In those discussions, in those moments, in those times, just, man, there's something, something about it. Something about it that just says, hey, I just need more. I just want more of that in my life. And he will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Just wait on him just for a minute this morning. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for this vision that you've given us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, I just want to talk a little bit Thank just you, real Father quick God. about the leadership training. Thank Many you, of you God. may say, well, I'm not a leader. But it's not about that. So that, that title of the leadership training Hallelujah. is not just, okay, yeah, I want to be a leader. I'm going to be a leader. Because many of us have said, well, I'm not a leader. But if we listen to God and we say to God, God, I want to use my gift, I, whether it's a big gift, a little gift, it doesn't matter. Because God doesn't, you know, in the Bible it talks about, remember the, um, the, um, the talents, right? That there was someone that had one talent, five talents, and ten talents, right? Did you know that if that one talent would have just doubled and did what he was supposed to do with it, that he would have got the same reward that the person with the ten talents had? Or the five, or whatever the, you know. So God doesn't, God is not looking for necessarily pastors, right? If, if that's your gift, and if that's your calling, then great. But did you know that the ministry of helps that the Bible talks about is a calling? 
When I went to Bible college back in 93 to 95, I, I, I went for ministry of helps because I was like, ah, I'll never preach. I'll never do any of that. I want to I do the background stuff, right? And I did that faithfully. And I did that in obedience to God because I knew that I had something. And, and, and maybe you don't see that the gift that you have, maybe you don't see what it can become. But that's where this training is going to come into to account. To help us. Because God, that's what God wants. He, he doesn't want just our gift. He wants us to multiply in that. He wants us to multiply. He wants us to grow. He wants us to, to be able to grow not not just to touch others and, and, and that is the main part of this training is because there is a gift and a calling in each one of you whether you think it's so insignificant or maybe you do have that desire to you know do you know, even greater, mightier things for God that, that, that others would say that is great and mighty, right? But I tell you, serving in a church and serving and doing what God has called you to do, no matter what it is, whether it's cleaning the church, whether it's up here in the pulpit, whether it's, you know, uh, in the music department, Right? Uh, whether it's with the children, whether it's with the babies, each and every single part that you play is a gift and a calling that someone needs. And not just that someone, but you. Because that's where our fulfillment comes when we walk in what God has called us to do. No matter if we see it as significant or not, that's not the purpose. It's you listening and obeying and walking out what God has called you to do. Because the Bible says that your gifts and your calling will make way for you. But we have to do something with it. I never in my life thought I would be in front of people speaking. You know, pastor has the same kind of, you know, testimony. He was like, ah, I don't like people, you know, I don't do people, right? But my goal was not to be in front of people. My goal was to obey God. And that's it. That's all it's about. Obey God and your gift and your calling will make room for you. Amen? So I want to encourage you. Encourage you, encourage you as much as possible. Come. Be a part of it. And I tell you, God is doing great and mighty things in this church. Yeah. Amen. It's pretty cool. And us as Christians, right? But I tell you, this church is going places. Yeah. Are you going to be a part of it? Amen? We need your gift and your calling. We need it. Amen? Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Pastor Rick. Uh, stand, if you would, for me, please, today.
Hallelujah. Get some blood black flowing in your legs. You know, I just, as he was talking just really briefly, some of you don't know that first step. As the priests crossed into the River Jordan, that was their first step. Some of you, maybe your first step is to just show up and be like, well, I don't know what this is about. I don't really know maybe my talents or abilities, but I'm going to step in and I'm going to take that first step and then watch God bless it. Amen. Can we pray this morning? God, we thank you so much for this time. Lord, I'm just so thankful for each one of these people that's here today. God, I thank you for their hearts that they love you. And God, I thank you so much that they're willing to do what you've asked them to do in this day and this age. God, we're humbled because you've created us to live in this day and this age and this time and given us this ability to know you on this level. And so God, I, I just ask that, that as your love resounds in each one of our hearts today, we clearly know the vision that you've set apart in our lives for us to do, that we know the steps to be able to take, that you've given us examples in your word to follow after and to say, hey, yeah, God, you love me just as much as you love them. God, you'll do great things for me just as much as you did for Joshua, for Joseph, for Moses, for Abraham, and on and on and on, even for Rahab. And so, God, we thank you so much that you love us. And so, God, we give you all the praise, all the glory and the honor this week, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Bring somebody to church with you next Sunday. Invite people to come with you. God bless you. Have a great day. It's been a joy having you with us today. We pray you've been blessed by spending the time in God's Word. Always remember, you're valuable and precious, special and important to Him.